Hi everyone, it is Lauren Hawker-Zaffer. Welcome back to Redefining AI, the tech podcast. I am an educator and I'm taking you on an educational exploration into the fascinating minds of those that embody and forefront all you need to know about artificial intelligence, machine learning, insight engines, and the insights era. This episode is called Artificial Intelligence and You an ode to the simulation of human intelligence processes by machines, in particular computer systems. My guest and thought leader today is Peter Scott. Peter is a futurist, coach and technology expert, helping people master technological disruption. After receiving a master's degree in computer science from Cambridge University, he moved to California to work for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and has continued to do that ever since. Peter raises awareness about artificial intelligence. He has appeared on radio and television, given university courses and numerous appearances to highly diverse audiences in several countries. In February 2020, he spoke before an all-party parliamentary group on the future of AI in Britain's House of Lords and delivered a TEDx talk to a thousand people in British Columbia, Canada. His podcast, Artificial Intelligence and You, has over 100 episodes and tackles three questions. What is AI? Why will it affect you? How do you and your business survive and thrive through the AI revolution? In July 2022, his new book, also called Artificial Intelligence and You, covering the same questions, was released. Welcome, Peter. It's lovely to have you here on Redefining AI. Thank you, Lauren. I'm really pleased to be here. How are you today? Lovely. We've got sun. It's rare and I'm making the most of it. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that we're we're blessed with uh, sunny skies. Um, we've had a little bit of cloud and mist over here in, in Zurich, um, but maybe that's one of the benefits that you have living on the, the other side of, of the globe. Where are you based at the moment? I'm on the southern tip of Vancouver Island, and we get our fair share of clouds, so don't feel any <laughs> jealousy. <laughs> Excellent. It's nice to hear that we're not the only ones. So, Peter, you released a book this year called Artificial Intelligence and You, and I'd like to talk to you about the book and forefront this particular topic. And maybe we can start by what motivated you to write the book and what is the, the central premise of the publication? What, what do you want your readership uh, to take away? Sure. We're, what I want them to get from this book is that we're all in a relationship with artificial intelligence, whether we want it or not, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not. And understanding that relationship is critical to our personal future. Understanding that relationship is critical to our professional and business futures. And understanding how others relate to it is critical to the success of our businesses. And the, the depth and breadth of this question of how we relate to artificial intelligence and the impact it will have on us has seemingly no limits. When P 
people like Sundar Pichai compares it to the invention of fire or Andrew Ng compares it to the invention of electricity. Those seem to be appropriate comparisons for all kinds of reasons. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting analogy, one that I quite like. You say that we're all in a relationship with AI. Um, do we know the extent of the relationship? I mean, is it a, one that is established? Is it a superficial one? Is it an unconscious one? How would you sort of try and describe? I mean, you mentioned different components of relationships, maybe a personal one, a business relationship. Can we determine the status of that relationship in these various avenues? Well, it's evolving in so many ways in many, many uh, different aspects, and it really depends upon uh, who you are and what you're doing. So technologists, of course, have uh, one relationship with expanding the frontiers of artificial intelligence, and business people have a, a relationship of utilizing that and uh, its disruptive effects in possibly 10xing their uh, business proposition. And uh, the the rest of uh, the population deals with issues like privacy, transparency, explainability, the impact of artificial intelligence upon social media and uh, the popular narratives and conversations and, and how we are swayed by what we think are other people, but sometimes uh, are the result of artificial intelligence mediating our interaction with each other. Uh, it's poised to disrupt fields from healthcare to government to education to warfare and uh, everything in between. And uh, I, I feel I will never get my head around this completely. I don't think it's even possible to. And I think that's one of the defining features of artificial intelligence is that its uh, scope, its impact, and what it can do is already beyond uh, the human ability to comprehend, as many things are. But in this case, I think that is uh, of, of critical importance just because of how it's transforming the way that we think. It is, uh, the word I coined is dinocognesis, the process of applying power to thinking. It is uh, applying to the process of cognition what uh, electricity and steam did to motor uh, our, our, our ability to move things during the Industrial Revolution. Um, a lot of interesting points that you've touched upon. A couple of times you mentioned the word disrupt. Do you use it with negative intention? Well, disruption is what you make of it. It's one of those things that is a it's a force in the world. It's like gravity, and you can either win a gold medal or fall over. And disruption, for instance, there are so many examples. Look at what AlphaFold has done in the last year. It's uh, decoded the structure of practically every protein known to humankind, 200 million of them. Before that, there were 190,000 protein structured. And the effort to do one of those was comparable to a PhD thesis. Now, they just did all of them more or less overnight. Uh, so you've, they've expanded the scope of our knowledge of molecular biology in that respect a thousandfold. That cannot fail to have a disruptive effect that I think we haven't even seen the scope of 
yet, but I would expect entire new industries to be created around that. And that's just one small example. See what's happened in the last year with uh, foundation models and image creation. You know, just yesterday I created uh, for a few dollars a uh, hundred pictures of me looking as uh, everything from a Roman warrior to a 1950s newscaster. Um, and of course, that's a, a trivial game, but the uh, ability of this to disrupt our um, the field of of art in in different ways is is already becoming clear. So, um, good, bad is not the axis to look at. It's how much do I know about this and how much do I need to know? Mm -hmm. And maybe the latter question, how much do I need to know? I mean, you gave the example of AlphaFold and the marvelous and obviously groundbreaking developments that they've achieved with the technologies. And there is maybe a component or a sort of collection of individuals in society that will understand the consequence or want to um, try to understand it. But obviously there's a majority that maybe are at the moment unable to understand it or maybe don't want to understand it. In your own opinion, which direction should we be ushering people in understanding or Ignorance is bliss. Well, I'm I'm never going to um, feel the the side of ignorance, even though sometimes it's bliss. And this, I think we can all think of examples of things we found out which we would rather have put back in the box. But you don't get to do that. And 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 so uh, when we consider the potential for disruption to be negative, I think that the uh, the only way to ameliorate that is with more information, more awareness. Clearly, most of the conversation around that for the last five, 10 years has been the potential of AI to uh, take jobs. And we still haven't decided whether that impact is positive or negative or on what time frame. There's a lot of uh, information generated about it, a lot of, of conversation. And so for that impact of disruption alone, I would say, understand what that conversation is like for your sector. Because even if it's wrong, even if there's no impact on, on jobs from AI in either direction in your sector, the people that work for you are part of that conversation. They're drinking this in every day from popular media, and other sources, what is it doing to their psychology? Are they afraid that they're going to lose their jobs, that you have to ad address that in some way or, or decide whether it needs addressing? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, one of your intents with writing the book, Artificial Intelligence and You, was with the aim of recruiting a, a viral army of questioners. Does that align with the notion that you've indicated there? Absolutely, because, and particularly as a coach, uh, this is part of of that identity for me. A question is much more powerful than answers. Uh, when you uh, live with a question, then you're constantly addressing that, coming up with new answers, and an answer is is final. So, to to uh, ask people to think about this, to 
question um, what's going on. I, I don't mean in the sense of conspiracy theory, but to mm. um, to to always be asking themselves, well, what is this thing? What is it that I need to know? Uh, I I, th I think that's more powerful if I can get people engaged in asking those questions than giving them my limited set of answers. Prior to, to writing a book, obviously, you do a lot of research and your intention is to target a, a, an ideal reader. And with what you have mentioned there, are you trying to, to educate or recruit an army of questioners from the present? Or are you looking to educate and recruit for future generations? I, I would say all of the above. Um, today, we have to think in terms of a platform and, and reach. Uh, I'm aware uh, every time I record a podcast or write a book that there are a hundred, a thousand times as many people that would want to read it uh, and and get mileage out of reading it or listening to it that will never find out about it. It just can't reach them. And so here we are reaching a few more thanks to you. And um, and so the uh, that represents a population of of people that will use it, that will get benefit out of it, that will make a difference. And ultimately, for me, it's not so much about getting more eyeballs, uh, more eardrums uh, listening to me, because, well, for one thing, the, the, the numbers is, you know, this is a, a terrible way to make an income. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. uh, the point is that this is the largest shift possibly ever in the direction of the the human race and i think we need as many people as possible connected to making that go in the best direction that we can mm -hmm. very nicely said obviously the focus of your own show you open it with three questions that i find equally fitting to our own particular discussion and the first question is what is ai we're sort of backtracking here and, and maybe asking a question that we should start it with. Um, how would you answer that, Peter? Again, that's one of those things that has um, so many definitions. And uh, I think really the, the the trick is to pick the most powerful one rather than perhaps the most pedestrian one. It has a definition in computer science um, uh, of machine well, it encompasses machine learning. It's, uh, but the, the the definition of AI in um, in computer science is uh, is quite broad. And at, at that point, you have to ask yourself: maybe we're getting hung up on the terminology more than we would if it was called something like electronic cognition. Um, the I, I think one of the more powerful ways of thinking of it is it's when computers do something that we can do or could do if we had enough time and memory, but can't describe, uh, can't lay down the steps for. I think that's where I would draw the distinction between AI and the kind of uh, computer um, programming that we've had before that, which... Uh, where it really pivots around the distinction of the the old adage of a uh, computer can only do what you've 
told it to do, but you've programmed it to do. That's been a truism for a long time, but it's not effective when it comes to artificial intelligence and machine learning because you can get AI to do things like recognize faces, which we don't know how to describe the process of doing it. We, we just do it. And now we can get AI to just do it. And, and so I think that's, that's the most illuminating definition because then, um, it, it focuses our attention on, well, what else is it that we think we is unique to human beings that you, you need to be human to do that AI might be able to do. You go back to 1997, people thought that you had to be human to be the world chess champion. And 2016, they thought that you had to be human to be the world go champion and, and, and so forth. What else is it that AI might be able to, um, to do that we think is, is just our thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating topic and it's a topic that's very much in, in trend for discussion. Um, the component of what is unique to being a human again, circles around is general intelligence possible. Are we as humans, machines, uh, three questions that are of interest if we were to follow that train of thought would you say that there's a certain component that you yourself would place in prominence that is unique to being a human that you personally think AI will be capable of doing in the future? Something that's unique to humans that I think AI will be able to do yes. in the future. Yes. If you were to, to yeah. maybe make a, a prog prognosis. The... The, the question of general intelligence is where this falls, and mm -hmm. I, I find that remarkably hard to pin down, because pretty much as soon as you come up with a definition that is specific enough to be testable, someone writes a program to do it. Uh, and, um, and one specific example of that was that until a few years ago, people thought the Winograd schema was a definitive test for uh, humans versus machines, which is a um, reading a short statement and then asking the two questions that pivot around the understanding of that, that, that statement um, and, and a particular verb in it. And uh, the, and, and yet now somehow uh, language models, large language models, have learned this to the extent that some researchers wrote a paper saying, forget the Winograd schema, uh, it, it's dead. AI can do that now. Mm. Uh, so it, it certainly, for me, the, the answer to your question is around uh, general intelligence of some kind. We could get that out of the conversation we're having now. Um, we we could extract that. It's not my expertise to be able to enunciate that, and I suspect if I could, I would lose most of the audience. Um, but will AI be able to do that? Of course, is the big question. Some people say never. Um, some people, like Ray Kurzweil, will put a, a, a date on it, and uh, I, I think that eventually it will be doable, but it would be a, a fool's errand to try and predict when. Mm -hmm. let's let's pivot the discussion then to a different focus and look at um corporate environments or businesses this is something that you also focus on it's one of your questions your third question when you open your own podcast 
How do you and your business survive and thrive through the coming AI revolution? Wow. Um, and that is certainly uh, so broad. Big question, of, yeah. It's yes, question. Of how, many, how, many, how many sectors there are because yeah. I, I even, you know, there's, there's, there's commerce, there's manufacturing, there's service, mm. um, and then you've got government and education and nonprofit. And um, the, the sort of most general answer that could, uh, that, that could hit all of those is we've already touched on. It's a, awareness. It's um, become aware of what you're, you're really in business for, um, how AI could disrupt that, how AI could be used by your competitors to disrupt that. For instance, if you're in a say traditional manufacturing business like um detergent or uh or your a supermarket chain well you've got thin margins already um your optimization based and your competition if they're bigger than you if they do more volume if they're like walmart uh, or procter and gamble then they can deploy AI, which has large fixed costs for entry at the moment, but will scale across their whole enterprise. So uh, that's a huge challenge. You need to redefine your place in that market or the um, the volatility uh, will just tilt towards the bigger players. Uh, on the other side of this quadrant, you have um, disruptive non-traditional type of business that's service focused and that's uh, a place where you can get a first mover advantage something like years ago um, search engine optimization would be one of those now um, one that's just sprung up in the last year an example of that would be people who are crafting prompts for large language models uh, acting as basically the speakers to ai to get it to generate art on, on demand for people who haven't mastered the, uh, the the way that you get something like Dolly 2 or Mid Journey mm. to create one of these amazing pictures. Um, and so that's an example of a uh, dis um, innovative um, service-oriented business leveraging artificial intelligence to get a first mover advantage. And of course, we just covered a huge amount of territory. I think the whole spectrum and having accessibility to what is possible in a corporate environment, it's still such an untouched area that a lot of people do need educated about and there's still a lot of awareness to be created about the power um, mm -hmm. and the disruptive abilities of, of AI. Obviously, from our perspective, we're using it as more of an assistive, augmented um, tool that enhances how people work. Um, so a lot of our um, software is more of an enabler um, rather than anything um, from a disruptive perspective. Right. Which, I mean, you can still, I mean, there's a lot of uh, interpretation. I mean, you can still maybe mm -hmm. interpret disruptive from um, something that is displayed as a positive as well. Right. And we didn't touch on the what 
what might be the biggest use of AI in businesses at the moment, which is not in the um, the core uh, business, but in running the business, everything from HR to accounting to supply chain management. And um, as you were uh, saying there, now AI, uh, particularly with the large language models, can be used as as kind of a, a an assistant. Think of it as the someone sitting next to you who's um, quiet, doesn't talk or volunteer much, but when you ask them any question about the business, they understand it and they've got the answer right there. It also reminds me of maybe the strands that is threaded in the foundation of human intelligence. Is it essential? We're talking about artificial intelligence, but maybe to understand artificial intelligence and its capabilities to, from an extreme perspective, we could maybe question, do we need to understand human intelligence? Is this really foundational to understanding and creating AI or an AI that is less hmm. disruptive as we would like it to be? How, well, how should you think this is, Peter? Well, that's one of the fascinating uh, divisions in artificial intelligence research and development is that you've got uh, one group of people that says, if you want this to be like humans, we need to understand human intelligence and model AI on that. And that is certainly how neural networks were developed, named after neurons in the brain, model that structure. And lo and behold, it turned out that it could do some things that um, that the human brain could, that we hadn't figured out any other way of doing. And then there are others who who say, well, either they think it's going to be too hard to figure out how the human brain does those things, or they 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 think let's keep pushing in the direction of what computer science has already learned how to do, um, including neural networks, in, in including that math and science, but not being constrained by or or led by neuroscience, and uh, it's it and it, it, it's. I don't think that there's any way of saying at the moment that one field yields more dividends than the the other, uh, and they often coincide and overlap to a, a great degree. I've interviewed a lot of pro professors who list as their core um, research uh, and teaching competencies both neuroscience and mm -hmm. machine learning. Mm -hmm. So you think this would go hand in hand to assist a better understanding of, of both camps, human intelligence and artificial intelligence? At this point, yes. I think there's this huge divide, there's a huge uh, gap in our knowledge of the human brain uh, between how neurons fire at the low end and at the upper end, um, how we have relationships and come up with jokes. Mm. In between is this great um, unexplored territory, and uh, and that really also represents the area of artificial intelligence that needs to uh, to grow to get to artificial general intelligence. We don't know how many steps there are in that. We don't know if we are climbing a, a tree, getting taller every uh, every day, and thinking, "Great, must not be that long until we get to the moon." Uh, we just don't know how far away that is. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that circles back as well. Is I mean, your AI is only as good as what we've mentioned, the person that's building it. 
Um, and that also relates to the data sets that are being used. And there's a lot of data sets that we maybe don't have that are holding back our human potential to build a more aligned development with the understanding of, of human intelligence, I would say. Would you agree that data that does not exist is just as important as data that does? Uh, yes, uh, certainly at the moment, the um, secret source of many, if not all, uh, machine learning, deep learning deployments is the data that they're trained on. I would like to say, by the way, that um, AI should be better than the people that programmed it. Alpha Go was better than a better Go player than any of the people who developed it, um, and and that is one of the goals here to embody enough intelligence in something that yeah, it exceeds mm -hmm. the, the capability. Um, the sort of, I mean, some of the things we need right now is, I think, more ability to share data sets. Mm. So that uh, deep learning doesn't have to use the power output of France to train a model every time, um, and that we can uh, build upon some uh, existing ones instead of having to repeat that so much. I think that we uh, could get uh, great advances in robotics if we had shared even open source uh, physics models, um, the sort of things that are used by uh, computer-generated imagery in movies, like Avatar is about. Avatar Two is about to come out, and there's an example of something that's got phenomenal um, understanding in its computer modeling of everything from water droplets to human musculature. If you embedded that sort of physics, it, well, it has an understanding of the real world of physics. If that was something that was shareable and who could become ubiquitous, that would advance the cause of robotics uh, considerably. And then there are other things that would be helpful to share, like the uh, emotional context of language and conversations and um, uh, other sensory modalities that uh, are important to humans. Like we have no idea how to, at least I don't think anyone knows how to uh, encode a smell, um, for instance. So we don't um, share those in uh, AI modeling, uh, because as far as I know, there's no way to represent it as a string of bits. Um, maybe it's time to start. Mm -hmm. It's also, I'm also personally questioning the maybe restraints around being able to do that globally. Um, if we're in a position to be able to do that, and if we'd want to do it on a global scale, um, maybe the the components of cultural diversity, the ethical diversity that comes into that, and the whole questioning mm -hmm. around um, the importance of ethical use of AI. Would you like to touch upon that yourself? The importance oh, um, of ethical use of AI. Oh yes. Well, and and thank you for raising that because the um, ethical issue that I'd like to touch on there is, as you said, when we generate these data sets. Um, how do we know that they're free of bias um, or Im implicit bias? Uh, and when so much of this is being done in Silicon Valley, then we have this risk that <clears throat> the models that get used all over the world are simply copying the psychology and values 
and, and ethics of a, a rather narrow segment of Silicon Valley because that's where their test data came from. Mm. And, uh, and and even when they realize that, and of course now there's a, a lot of um, work around AI ethics and, and producing unbiased data sets and the position of AI ethicist is, is now an established one and their consultancies um, devoted exclusively to that. But um, but but even um, aside from the data sets, there are still implicit values that are being dictated by mostly Silicon Valley people that um, could show up even like the um, like like the, the the Hollywood trope, uh, the Disney trope of individualism, um, the, the the hero striking out against. Uh, um, their upbringing, leaving their uh, their clan to to go out and make their fortune in the world, is is persuasive and pervasive, but it uh, is pushed to an extent that denies the value of group work, which is um, a powerful trope in Asian countries. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's a very important point. Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating to see the web that's weaved as well between the attempt to push against something that we know exists very prominently when we're talking about the forefront of biases and be able to actually conquer that without having, as you've mentioned, the diversity that needs to be included from a wider perspective. Yes, it is very important that we get more diversity in the development of artificial intelligence and in particularly in data science. And it's almost, I mean, you could make a comparative as well. I mean, we all understand as individuals, as humans, that we carry or unintentionally, maybe intentionally to some extent, we approach certain situations, situations with biases. And to fight against those biases and to actively train yourself to change that perspective and work on your consciousness, that it's not a one-stage process. I mean, if we look at behavioral change change alone, we're looking at maybe four or five active conscious stages. So I think that this does align with the huge investment that is required to act to, to actively and proactively try and go full steam ahead um, and change that approach to bring it in less biases in, in machine learning models. Well said. I would like to see businesses connect their uh, investment in artificial intelligence with their DEI initiatives. Mm, yeah, very much so. I'd like to talk longer, but I'm also <laughs> conscious of uh, the slot that we've given ourselves today to um, touch upon these topics. It's been really exciting and interesting. I've enjoyed our discussion, Peter. Is there anything that you'd like to pass on before we um, end our dialogue? Uh, I would like to tell everyone this conversation is one that I will never get tired of. I could talk for a, a lot longer as well. And 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 that's why I in, enjoy doing that in, in so many forms. If uh, people have uh, 
venues, particularly in education, because I really enjoy talking about this with uh, uh, students and children, um, please get in, in touch with me at um, uh, the website is humancusp.com, or you can look for the podcast AINU.net. And um, uh, I'd like to have that, that conversation. And thank you very much for having me on the show. No, not at all. And your podcast available on uh, Apple, Spotify, all of the the usual the the usual major channels. Peter, is that correct? That's right. Excellent. So maybe we can get a few people um, across to have a listen as well. It's an exciting show. Um, I can recommend it. And I want to thank everyone for listening today um, to this episode of Redefining AI. If you want to learn more about artificial intelligence, machine learning and search, then come and take one of our free courses at learn.squirrel.com. Thank you.